0: Praise the Lord. How many of you are ready to look into God's word this morning? Amen. Would you open up your Bibles to Psalm 73 once again? We welcome all of you that are here. We, we love you and we pray regularly for you. This church um, believes in power of prayer, calling upon God through our prayer uh, times that are set aside, but also in our homes we pray my wife and I, every Saturday night, take time to pray for this service peace these services, the 9 and the 11 a.m. service, that God would uh, just meet us in a powerful way, and we pray for you individually. So uh, turn to the person next to you and say, we got you covered. Yeah, covered. Covered in prayer, amen. Amen. Well, we are in a three-part series. This is the second part. We've entitled this series, God is. God is. Last week, we declared upon the authority of the word of God that God is good. Amen. God is good all the time and all the time. In Psalm 73, the psalm starts off, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. The psalmist Asaph, he was a songwriter and a musician during the time of King David. 150 Psalms that we find in the book of Psalms. And the Psalms were the playlist, the Apple iTunes of uh, the people of God in, in the Bible times. And they were basically prayers that were put to music. So that the people of God could focus on God, could pray, can worship, can sing to the Lord. Much like we did today. Isn't it wonderful to have songs? Songs are so powerful. Music is so powerful. You see it in our culture. It could be used for good. It could be used for evil. But either way, it makes a powerful impact upon our lives. And and, and here's Asaph. And he, he begins with this truth. This foundational truth that God God is good. And we say foundational because it supports everything else. It's foundational because you can build your life upon that truth. And as a Christian, it is critically important that we have that understanding that we know it, that we believe it, that we experience it for ourselves that God is good the great missionary statesman Oswald Chambers he's the writer of the classic uh, Christian devotional I'm sure many of you have heard of it you've read it Uh, my utmost for his highest all sin is the suspicion that God is not good The root of all sin, this is his perspective. This isn't in the Bible, but this is as a a scholar, a theologian, a missionary. He said the root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. What did he he mean by that statement? If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were not convinced of the goodness of God. The devil in his temptation called into question the goodness of God's plan and command for Adam and Eve leading to the fall. The lie, the lie that the devil brought to Adam and Eve was that God is withholding something from you. God really is not good because he is not allowing you to have the knowledge of good and evil. And do you know that nothing has changed? One of the enemy's primary tactics is to inject doubt into our minds as of the absolute goodness of God and his ways. You see, all sorts of negative feelings and sinful attitudes will naturally flow if we don't know that we know that we know that God is truly good. But on the other hand, when we understand and know the goodness of God, it actually leads us to Repentance. Romans chapter two tells us that. There's a turning to God, there's a turning away from evil, there's a turning away from lies, to turn to almighty God and his goodness. So our confession, our understanding, our faith needs to declare this morning and to know it for ourselves that God is good. I believe that most of us, if not all of us, have come to know it for ourselves. We've seen the goodness of God in, in, in the way that God has shown mercy to us many times. We've seen the goodness of God and all of the kindnesses that we have received from God. The deliverances that we have experienced in our lives, we have seen and known the goodness of God. But you know, it's not just a cliche. You know, we've, we've learned that God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. Um, it's not just a cliche, but it is the revelation that we have received through the Holy Spirit for ourselves. God has taken that truth and he's revealed to our spirit so that we've come to this spiritual understanding that God is good. So last week we, we said that that was uh, the thought, that God is God is good. And that's what Asaph started off with in his psalm. This week, this week, we're going from that confession of faith, that, that declaration that God is good, this week, we're going to experience a little shift, a little change in this psalm. And, and I like to call it the conflict of our faith. Last week was... Uh, the, the confession of our faith, God is good. This week, it's the conflict of our faith. Last week, we said God is good. This week, I want to declare to you that God is good even when life is confusing. God is good even when life is confusing. Where do I get that from? Well, look at the text. Verse 1, truly God is good to Israel, to such as, as are pure in heart. I wish we can just stop there. Look at the next verse. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. My steps had nearly stumbled, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What's happening? We see Asaph making a confession, but now he's experienced a conflict. We see him having a revelation of the goodness of God, but now it seems to be going in reverse. We see him in the heights of inspiration, now he has sunk to the very pit of despair. It happens just that quickly. Isn't that true? You could experience the goodness of God in one moment. You could be in church, worshiping God, praising God, and say, oh, what an awesome day. What an awesome service. God is so good. It's not five minutes later, you're pulling out of the parking lot, someone cuts you off. Yeah, even in the parking lot, you can get cut off. Uh, Don't blame that on me. (laughs) Not everyone's sanctified in their driving but you can get cut off the kids could start screaming and, and your wife could start complaining or your spouse and, and all of a sudden you're 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 you've lost the inspiration of that moment and you say I can't take this anymore the kids don't listen you don't support lose it it could happen so quickly Asaph is declaring God is good in the next moment but as for me my feet almost slipped You could testify in church. Oh, I love this church. Victory Church is awesome. Oh, I received from the word. Pastor Richard, what an anointed preacher he is. Maybe none of you said that, but I like to just (laughs) think in those terms. Oh, that was awesome. I received. I heard the word. It was strength to my soul. Wow, God is so good. Then there is a test to your testimony. Testimony. I've seen it so many times in my own personal experience with God and in the life of this church. Great things happen. God touches me. God touches people. Then all of a sudden, everything seems to go in reverse. The miracle you thought you received all of a sudden goes in reverse. Things were so clear in that moment of time. You, you, you got revelation. You heard from God. That was awesome. And then it seems like things get confusing all over again. We see it in the life of John the Baptist in the New Testament. If you remember about John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He was the one prophesied in the book of Isaiah that I'm gonna send the the prophet who's gonna prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist comes on the scene. And what does he do? He sees Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He had that revelation that God was good. He had that revelation of who Jesus was. And then through just the time and period of time and life and the struggles and things going on, he's in prison now. Jesus would later testify and said of all women born, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. But he was least in the kingdom is greater than John, but John the Baptist, this great prophet, but he's in prison now, and he begins to doubt, and he begins to receive, he's confused. He sends messengers to Jesus, and think about this. He was the one prophesied by Isaiah. He was the forerunner to Jesus, the one who declares the Son of God, but now he sends a messenger to Jesus. Are you the one? Are you the one or should we expect another? It happened to John the Baptist. It could happen to us. The confession of our faith can lead and will lead to a conflict of our faith. See, what happened, to, what happened to Asaph if we want to be true to the scriptures? And here at Victory, we want to preach the word, but we want to preach it in context, and we want, to, we want to submit ourselves to the authority of the word of God and not come up with fanciful notions and fanciful ideas and cute little sayings. We want to stay true to the scriptures. Amen? What happened to Asaph? Asaph, he went from the height of ecstasy to the depths of despair. What happened? I believe that his belief system came into conflict with what he saw and experienced in everyday life. His belief system, his doctrine, his teaching, his understanding of the word of God, what he knew to be true came into conflict with what he saw in his life and his inexperience. Look at verse 3, when I saw, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he looked at life and listen to me, you and I as people of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, we will look at life, we will look at the news, we will look at social media, we will look at what's going on in our world, we will see the injustices. We will see the unfairness of life. We will see the inequities of life. See, Asaph, he saw corruption in politics, in the streets, in the marketplace, even in the church or the temple. He saw corruption. So when I saw, you see, the wicked were oppressing the godly. You see, in the Old Testament, there was an age-old dilemma for the people of God. And you'll, you'll see it in the Psalms. You'll see it in the prophets. And you know what it was? Why did the godly suffer and the wicked prosper? Right? If you read the Bible, if you read the Old Testament, that was a reoccurring theme. The godly people, those who serve God, those who love God, those that were striving to do the will of God, they would experience suffering in hardship, and pain, and then the godly would prosper. Now, I know none of you have ever thought like that. You've never wondered, why are godly people prospering? They got it all. The looks, the money, the cars, the homes, the travel, the A-listers, they're rock stars, they've got all that. And some of you want to be rock stars. I don't go on Facebook much, but if I do peek on my wife's page, some of you think you are rock stars. But we look at the the ungodly. They they have no fear, and that's what what he begins to say. Look at verse 4, for there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, verse 5, nor are they plagued like other men. Pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than their heart could wish. They scoff. He starts off saying God is good. But then look at this. You see, he saw something. He saw the prosperity of the wicked. He saw something. You know, it could be anything. It could be anything for, or it could be different things for different people. He saw the prosperity of the wicked. And as for me, my feet almost stumbled for you for me it could be anything that we see different for everyone you might see something that troubles you i might see something that troubles me it might not be the same for me and don't try to don't try to put that on me hello don't try to put that on someone else. What you see, what I see might be different, but we have to wrestle with that. We have to deal with that. Somehow, some way, we're going to see how, how Asaph dealt with it. You see, it's amazing, though, in life how some, some things could really get a hold of us. For some of us, it could be a past failure, a regret, a sin, it could be foolish thinking that we hold on to. It could be family issues, things that get a hold. We say God is good, but then our feet almost slip. It could be a bitterness. This is a big one. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, beware, beware. Watch out that there's not a root of bitterness that springs up and defiles many. Bitterness could defile many. Don't let that root grow in your heart. It could be political issues. It could be things you see on TV and, 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 and they can get a hold of you. If you if you, you got to watch your spirit. you got to watch your heart. There's a lot of bad things going on in this world. There's a lot of crazy things going on in this world. But we have to process it in God. We can't let it get a hold of our spirit and cause hatred towards people, bitterness towards people, anger and, and division. Right. Uh, yes. You see, these things could hinder the mind from thinking clearly. And see, that's what began to happen to Asaph. Now, now, what he went through is real life. It's in the Bible, but it's leading to something. It doesn't, it doesn't leave Asaph there. Understand something. See, when we allow certain things to get in our mind, a bitterness, wrong thinking, foolish thinking, a hurt, pride, if they get in our mind, they could hinder us from thinking clearly. Now listen, they can fog our brain. And they could tempt us to make sweeping generalizations that are not completely accurate. Now, follow me. I'm, look, I'm going according to the scriptures. Now, look at this. But there are no pains in their death. Their strength is firm. Now, now what is Asaph doing? He's looking at the wicked and their prosperity. But because something's getting in him that's not good, he's making sweeping generalizations. He's saying... There's no suffering in their life. Now, is that true? It's not true. Everybody suffers. He's saying that that they have everything they want. Their strength is firm. He was making some generalizations that were not true. And you know what could happen in our life? We can do the same thing. When we allow something to get in our spirit, to get in our heart, that's not right. You know what we say? No one cares for me. No one? Well, I care for you. So that's not true. God cares for you. There are people who care for you. We say, sweeping generally, no one ever calls you. You mean no one calls you? Not even a telemarketer? No one ever calls you? Not even a bill collector? No one could ever, no one will ever miss me. What are those? Sweeping generalizations that are not completely accurate. No one has it as bad as I do. Oh, you don't know how many times I've heard that. You all have it so bad. Sometimes dozens of people who feel that way. Sweeping generalizations, and that's what happens when you allow things to get in your heart and in your spirit. Remember, it happened to Elijah in the Old Testament. Do you remember? He he's on Mount Carmel, God uses him powerfully to call down fire from heaven, it turns the nation back to God, wipes out idolatry, brings about a revival in the nation, and then Jezebel, that Jezebel spirit, comes at him and and and, and declares. You're going to die. He runs. He runs into the wilderness. And you know what? He's all alone feeling sorry for himself. He's He's let his discouragement take hold, fear take hold. You know what he says to God? He says, God, take my life. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that loves you. What was that? A sweeping generalization that was not accurate. You know what God said? God says, simmer down, Sonny. God says to him, I have reserved 7,000 people who have not bowed the knee to Baal. We, in our finiteness, we, in our limited perspective, we, in, when we allow bitterness to get in our heart, we see things in a skewed way, in a wrong way, and we begin to say things that are not true, that are not accurate. God, help us this morning. Amen. So how do we get out of this? I'm gonna bring it to a close. Let's go down to verse 13. Look at at further foolishness that that Asaph said. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. Just stay right here in this verse. And washed my hands in innocence. What What was Asaph saying? I've given my life to God. I've tried to live holy I've tried to live pure. I've tried to do the right thing. It's in vain. It's not worth it. Wow. You say, I'll never talk like that. Well, you're, you're lucky I don't have a recorder or because I'm sure we've said things like that. For all day long, I have been plagued and chastened every morning. But here's when we start to see a shift. Here's when we start to see... Uh, a little bit of a ray of revelation breaking through in Asaph's life. Asaph, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. Now look at verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. He's, he's, He's coming to a conclusion, if you will. He's coming to a point of of trying to process this. He says, when I thought about this. Now, I want you to understand there's a difference between using your mind to try to figure out things and getting a revelation from God. He says, when I thought it was too painful. If you or I, in our finite mind and our carnal mind try to figure things out in life, in the world, what's going on in the world, let me tell you, it's going to be troublesome. Another verse version says it was too painful. It was too painful. You see, we have to move beyond reason to revelation. The Bible tells us that the Pharisees and the scribes, when they heard Jesus teaching, it says they reason in their heart. And when they reason in their heart, they end up rebelling against the words that were being spoken to them. They try to to figure it out in their mind. You cannot reason yourself, or let me put it this way. You can reason yourself right out of your salvation, your ministry, your marriage. You can reason yourself. The devil will give you enough ammunition, enough uh, 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 negative thoughts to reason yourself out of some things. We need to go beyond reason to revelation. Reason is your natural mind trying to figure it all out. Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says, the natural mind is at enmity with God. Your natural mind is at enmity with God. You need a revelation. That's a work of God bringing to light the kingdom of God in upon your mind. When I was a freshman at Bible college, I was 20 years old. It seems like a long time ago. Oh, to be 20 again. 20 years old, I remember a freshman in Bible college, saved only a couple of years plus. I was discouraged at one point in the semester. I didn't feel like I fit in. I felt inadequate. I felt insecure. I was ready to leave Bible college because I said, how could I be anything in the ministry? How could I serve God? In the Bible, back then in Bible college, there were, there were most of the students came from pastor's homes, missionary homes, evangelist homes. I came from anything but that. And so I felt like I didn't fit in, and I was so discouraged, and I was so close. My mind was reasoning me out of Bible college. I went in to the chapel one night. What does Asaph said? When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful me for me until i went into the sanctuary of god then i understood i don't know about you but that's powerful right there when i thought about these things it was too painful for my mind to process to reconcile to figure out until i went into the sanctuary then i understood when I went into the sanctuary at, at 20 years old with confusion, with discouragement, ready to quit, my mind talking me out of it, my mind reasoned me out of it, until I went into the sanctuary... The sanctuary could be a building, it could be a place of prayer, it could be your car, it could be anywhere where you have an encounter with Almighty God. Where the revelation of the word of God springs forth in your heart and you know something and you have divine understanding. Can you say amen? Amen. Then I understood. Let me tell you this morning, there will be times in your Christian experience when you will not have understanding. You will need revelation from God. There will be times you won't know what God is up to in your life. And you will have to trust Him and believe in His goodness and know that God is good even when life is confusing. There will be times in your Christian experience you will not know how things are going to work out. You don't know what the future will be like. You don't know what, how this will all Sift out in the end till you go into the sanctuary. You will wrestle with nagging questions. Why? 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 How long? How long? How long? When, O Lord? When, O Lord? David in Psalm 13, four times in the short Psalm, said, How long, O Lord? How long? He could not understand. We will need the light of God's word, the wind of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. We will need the Son of God to arise with healing in his wings. Would you stand together with me this morning? When I thought about these things, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary, then I understood. That shows us this morning that there's a revelation, there's an unveiling, there's a work of the Holy Spirit that we need as the people of God. You cannot try to figure this out in your natural mind. Whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, we have to know God is good even when life is confusing. I think we're living in some of the most confusing times, most difficult times in history. But you know what, God knew we would be here. He knew what we would be going through. He knew what we would be dealing with and he, would, he promised to give us what we need in this season of life. He will give us a revelation. Would you lift your hands this morning? We could all relate on some level today. And I just wanna pray for you and trust that the Holy Spirit will just powerfully uh, continue to anoint this word to your heart and your mind. Father, thank you for your people here today gathered in Victory Church. Thank you for the word of God that is so relevant to us this morning and so helpful and encouraging and and, and that, that light that shines in darkness, Father. I pray that there would be that revelation. God, you know what people are struggling with today. You know those things that they're trying to figure out that are too hurtful and painful. It could be from their past. It could be about their future. It could be about some deep, dark secret that nobody knows about. Father, I pray, God, that they would come into the light of your presence and experience your touch today. Father, minister to every heart this morning. Bless every life. God, let this word be mixed with faith that it might profit everyone. In Jesus' name, and everyone said Amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap of praise this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.